Uh, Mark 10, verses 1 through 12. Then he arose from there and came to the region of Judea, by the other side of the Jordan. And multitudes gathered to him again. And as he was accustomed, he taught them again. The Pharisees came and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, testing him? And he answered and said to them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. And Jesus answered and said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, where God has joined together, let not man separate. In the house, his disciples also asked him again about the same matter. So he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Marriage, divorce, always burning questions, extremely controversial in the church of Jesus Christ. Opinions vary. Interpretations differ. There is the closed view that says divorce is never allowed by God, no matter the cruelty, the meanness that may exist within a marriage. And there is the more open view that says divorce is allowed if the rift between a couple is not reconciled. Irreconcilable differences. It causes more damage than good. There were strong feelings then, and there's strong feelings now. And it was because of these strong feelings. This is not going to be a sermon on divorce and remarriage, which many pastors, when they deal with this text, they focus on divorce and remarriage and adultery. The Pharisees knew the strong feelings of the people. The Pharisees thought that they could entrap and discredit Jesus Christ. Because no matter what he said, a great, man, a great number of the people would differ and they would stop supporting his ministry. And no matter what view I told you that I take, closed view, open view, or any other view, there'd be problems on both sides of the coin. But there's a much deeper message in our text today. There's always a reluctance, first of all, to express a different opinion when a great number of people hold a particular view. That is wrong not to face the issue of marriage and divorce, no matter the different opinions and practices of society. Why? Because there's always a large number of divorced people, and many desperately need help. Their faith, their hope, their security, their children, their whole lives have been drastically affected. Divorce, remarriage, adultery is the toughest thing to counsel people on. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. 
And that's the point the Lord is getting to in this. Also, there's always a large number of marriages that are experiencing serious difficulties, hardness, cruelty, abuse, and a host of other sins. If God's people don't reach out to them, who in the world is going to? What is the deeper meaning the Lord is trying to get to in our text? Mark 10, verses 1 through 4. The crowds flock to Christ again. He touches them. He teaches them. Then once again, the religious police come from Jerusalem seeking to discredit him. Notice in verse 2, testament. They didn't care about marriage and divorce and adultery. They come testing Christ to bring charges against Christ, to bring Christ down. Notice what Christ tells them in verse 5. This is the issue. Christ answered and said to them, uh, Mark 10, verse 5. And Jesus answered and said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. The hardness of your heart. The Mosaic law did not command divorce if two people were not compatible and didn't get along. The law only permitted divorce. Look at Deuteronomy 24. Christ is, once again, he's going to get around to the main issue. Deuteronomy 24, 1, 2, 4. When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her, and he writes a certificate of divorce, divorce, put it in her hand, sends it out of the house. There you go. Get out of here. When she's departed from his house, goes and becomes another man's wife. If the latter husband detests her and writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand and sends it out of the house, or if the latter husband dies who took her as a wife, then her former husband who divorced her must not take her back to be his wife after she has been defiled. For that is an abomination before the Lord. And you shall not bring sin on the land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance. Write her a certificate of divorce. You must remember, in the ancient world, they treated women as nothing more than property, just like children. A man could have as many wives as he wanted, and they could discard them. You burnt the bacon, you're gone. Whenever he wanted, wherever he wanted, and however he wished. Here's your certificate of divorce again. The Mosaic law was not a loose law, though. As I mentioned earlier about an open view and a closed view. It wasn't a loose law. Notice, it required a certificate of divorce, which was unpracticed and unheard of, and unheard of in most societies. The Mosaic Law said you must write a certificate of divorce. And the other societies, you're gone. If you didn't just kill you or burn you alive or do something else with you, you were just property. Women and children was just property in those societies. Mosaic Law, certificate of divorce. A written contract would have given the man time to think of his actions and the consequences thereof. 
If you just in a heated moment say, get out of here, you're divorced. The certificate of divorce gave the man time to think what he was about to do, the damage that he would cause, the pain he would cause, the heartache that he would cause, what would happen to the children and the consequences thereof. Jesus saw divorce as hardness of heart. Hardness of heart. God permitted divorce. It was a concession. It wasn't the perfect will of God. You have the permissive will of God and the perfect will of God. He says, thou shalt not murder, and people murder every day. His perfect will is that you don't murder. Just like with divorce. His perfect will is you don't divorce. Divorce was allowed only because men's hearts were hard and they were sinful. Even like it is today. Well, I'm moving on. I don't love you no more. I found this cute little girl 30 years younger than me. I don't love you no more. I'll rip this apart. Hardness of heart. God way since creation. Notice how Christ deals with it. Verse 6, verse six Mark 10, verse 6. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. God's way since creation. Christ is saying that creation is the root basis, the very foundation for marriage. It was a man. It was good that now he was not alone. And the Lord brought him a helper. That is God's perfect will. One man, one woman, joined together. Verse 6, notice, singular, male and female. Not many wives, many husbands, singular, male and female. Not males and females. He made one male, one female. And they were each made for the other one. They were not made for any other. There was no one else. There was just to be Adam and Eve. No one else. Jesus was saying male and female were created distinctively. Distinctively from the animals. That's why people want to tell you about evolution, that you came from a monkey so that you can act like a monkey. God created humans distinctively from animals. Animals were created en masse to be with any and many. And I see it every day in my yard with the geckos. He created animals en masse. Human beings, one male, one female, joined together. Created. Male and female, they're created as spiritual beings. Spiritual beings, you must understand that. Not physical beings. Spiritual beings. As I mentioned earlier, the old timer sees a young girl 30 years younger. And she's looking for her father and he's looking for a young girl. And it has nothing to do with a spiritual person. 
has to do with physical attraction. Spiritual beings, our soul only knows another soul when it's spiritual. Men and women were created for a much higher purpose than animals. Since there were not others like them, they weren't sharing their purpose together. Men and women separate, and the purpose that God has called them to, they were supposed to be spiritually bound together, and then sin came in and destroyed the relationship. Men and women are supposed to be in constant fellowship with God. The original thing was Adam and Eve, one male, one female, joined together, or as in the text they're using in the modern versions, joined, the word is cleave. It's not joined, it's cleave. And that word cleave in Hebrew means glue. Glued together. There was no difference. Glued together, constant fellowship with God and sharing that purpose with nobody else. Male and female, husband and wife, fellowshipping with the Lord. But because of the hardness of men and women's hearts. Verses 7 and 8 in our text are the key to understanding our text. You won't even get to verses 12 through 14 if this happens. 7 and 8 are the key to understanding our text. Christ saw marriage as the most precious bond. A bond that cleaves, that is glued together. So much so, she thinks like you and you think like her. The two of you stink together. You love the Lord together. You worship Him together. You adore Him together. You live your life for the glory of God. That is what men and women were created for. Nothing less than that. Man, in our text, is to cleave to the wife. That creates a new family, distinct from the family of the parents. The husband and wife joined together. There's a place for your family, but that place is not between the husband and the wife. How many marriages have been destroyed by that? God created husband and wives. He created a new family distinct from the family of the parents. Notice what it says in our text, 7 and 8. For these reasons, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. A different relationship than a man with his parents, a woman with her parents. With a leave mother and father. The union between the husband and wife is to gain Primacy. Primacy. Over the union between parent and child. It's not you and your mother and your husband or your husband and your, your, his father and, the, and whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Husband and wife. Not mama, dad, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, uh, anything else in between. 
husband and wife together. Primacy. Leaving. Notice. It's a permanent act. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. To be glued to his wife. Like I said, if that is true, there's no question of divorce and remarriage. The word divorce won't even be mentioned. Cleveland means more than being close and intimate. Cleveland is a spiritual union that only can be wrought and given by God Almighty. Male and female together, joined together around Almighty God. The strongest union known on the planet Earth. Not a man and not a man and God or a woman and God, but a man and a woman together with God in the middle. There's no greater thing on this planet. In the beginning, God created. That's the way it was supposed to be. But sin entered in. Father, mother, child comprising unit. Parents are there when the child leaves. And then the child cleaves to Deshas. But far too often, that's not the case. The structure of the family is the means by which man is to carry out God's purposes. Why do you think so many families are destroyed in America? The enemy knows that. The enemy knows that. You destroy the family. That's the first thing they do in communist lands, socialist lands. They destroy the family. You become married to the state, the government. It's no different in America. We don't have communism, socialism, but we're destroying marriages of materialism and lust. And you won't give me my way. The destruction of marriage, where Christ says since the beginning, husbands and wives joined together in Christ. No greater thing. Two souls bonding together around the Lord. The relationship between a mom and a dad is to be closer, more intimate, and longer than that between a parent and a child. You and your spouse are supposed to love each other more than anybody or anything except the Lord God Almighty. And anything less than that, you're going to have a problem. Mark 10, 8, Jesus saw marriage as the closest of human bonds. Two shall become one. It doesn't say the two shall become one with father, mother, aunt, uncle, brother, sister, aunt, children. Male and female, husband and wife. That's it. That's the only one in the scripture that the two shall become one. But as we'll see, there is one other union that's just as close. Two shall become one, cleaving. Each grows into the very being of the other. When you see the one, they act and think like the other. Because they're growing in 
to the very thing when you garden it and you join two things together, they eventually become one. The two becomes one. Each grows into the very being, one body, one flesh, one person. The two shall be one. If you're fine with your spouse, you're fine with yourself. You might as well stand there and just whack yourself in the mush. Because that's what you're doing. The two shall be as one. I'm arguing with her. No, you're arguing with yourself. Cleaving. As I said, that word is glue. That's what it means. And spouses who are obedient to Christ by cleaving to each other. Not only physically, but spiritually. They're doing what God intended them to do. They are the ones that will prosper in marriage when you understand the two as one. So now if you're here and you're single, if you're here if you're a widow, if you're here if you're a widower, if you've been divorced or remarried, whatever your situation is, the Lord has called each and every one of us, male or female, to that same union with himself. Turn to do right me. And that's why I said, I don't like to teach that uh, text on divorce and remarriage and do a carbine thing on that. Because the deeper meaning is, if you are cleaving to God Almighty, you're not going to act that way towards your spouse. Turn to Deuteronomy 4. We're going to look at four cross-references there. Deuteronomy 4.4 But you who cleave to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. Some of your text says, hold fast. But you who cleave to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. Every one of you, no matter what your station in life is, you are to have that kind of relationship that I mentioned about the Lord, about, I mean, spouses with the Lord. You are to cleave, but you who cleave to the Lord your God. Are you cleaving to the Lord your God? 10.20 Or has other things come into that marriage between you and the Lord? Deuteronomy 10.20 You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and to him you shall Hold fast, or to cleave. You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall cleave. That's for every one of us. And how much more, a husband and a wife, if they're both cleaving to the Lord their God, and if you're single, widowed, widower, whatever your station is, you are to be cleaved together to the Lord. Does not the Lord call the church of Jesus Christ his bride? He's the bridegroom. The church of Jesus Christ is the bride. 
We have the same calling with Jesus Christ, no matter what your lot is, as the husband and the wife. Husbands and wives together with the Lord. If you're single, together with the Lord. In that same intimate union. Cleaving to him. Deuteronomy 11.22. Tore it all true out. And I'm just giving you a little taste of about cleaving to him. 11.22. For if you carefully keep all these commands, which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to hold fast to him, to cleave to him. It's the calling for every one of us. Deuteronomy 13.4. I mean, when the Lord kind of repeats himself four times in four chapters, it's like, uh, you know, it's pretty important. Deuteronomy 13.4. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and notice once again, hold fast to him, cleave to him, be glued to him. A husband and wife that are glued together, that are cleaved in together, they don't let anything become between them. Husbands, wives, children, nothing. And it's the same with you. As a child of God. What do you think Christ was saying when he said, unless you hate your mother and your father and your brothers and your sisters? And cleave to me. You're not worthy of me. That's what the Lord is teaching. We're created spiritual beings. We've been called to be Together with God, cleaving to God. That's the whole thing. Christ, the bride, the bridegroom, went to prepare a place for us, calling us to go back to him. In Ephesians 5, I mean, it's almost a whole chapter. Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. The Lord, look what he says about the relationship. I want to take you out of the old covenant and bring you into the new covenant. I just wanted you to see the precept there about cleaving to the Lord. Ephesians 5. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. I'm just going to pull some stuff off. So that you see our union with Christ. That's what I want you to see. Wives submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church. See, he's comparing husbands and wives, Christ and the church. Subject to Christ. Husbands, yeah, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. Same kind of relationship. Husbands love their wives, Christ loving the church. Verses uh, 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh. Like I said, you might as well just punch yourself in the face. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Notice this, how beautiful it is. Just as the Lord does the church. Jesus Christ is nourishing and nourish, cherishing his bride. I mean, what beautiful words. Amen. That you who were once his enemy, dead in your sins and trespasses, he makes you alive joins you to Christ, unites you to Christ, and speaks words like that. I mean, is that not enough for you to say, wow, Lord, you're really special to me. 
that you would nourish and cherish me. For we are members of his body. We are members of his body, brothers and sisters. Of his flesh and of his bones. That's how close we are to Jesus Christ. Husbands and wives, if you think that you all are close, then Christ is even closer. And I close with Acts 11, 23. seen the grace of God he was glad and he encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord it's the same day cleaving with the Lord the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch when he had came he seen the grace of God in the lives of the people He was glad. He encouraged the people all that with purpose of heart they should continue. They should continue to cleave with the Lord. And I can say you notice before he gives the admonition that they should continue. He had seen the grace of God. And Father, we thank you for your grace. Amazing grace. It truly is amazing that you would make alive those dead in sins and trespasses. Make them join as with Christ. See them in heavenly places. Forgive them of their sins. Give them eternal life. And join them to your precious Son. The one that had never sinned. Yet you would take those that knew nothing but sin all of their lives. And you would send your son to die for them. To cleanse them of their sins. And then unite them with your glorious son in marriage. I mean, what a plan. Father, man could never think of anything like that that the sinless one would take the sinful one as the wife and bless and grant eternal life. Father, I would ask that you would so impress on our minds about your grace that it would be said of those here and those that are listening today as Barnabas said, He came and he had seen the grace of God. For those that truly understand the grace of God, they fall in love with Jesus Christ. They absolutely fall in love with Jesus Christ. For they understand that apart from Christ, I'm damned. Justly so, deservingly so, 
but that this sinless one would take on flesh and live the life that he lived and be abused and tortured and murdered for me? What kind of love, Father, should we show in return? And I pray that it would be a reality in our lives that we would truly come to understand the grace of God, not only those here today, those on the internet, but in the Church of Jesus Christ universally. For Father, there is a spirit of self-righteousness and I deserve this in the Church of Jesus Christ today. And I pray that you would bring us back to the roots of understanding about grace. Even as Paul fought in Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians and Romans constantly about grace. And in many of our lives, grace means absolutely nothing. And I would pray, Father, that you would do whatever is necessary to make grace a reality in our lives. And Father, I ask you these things out of love for Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you and praise you in Christ's precious name. Amen. Amen.